Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have actually a bunch of things we're going to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I have no idea if I have a good plan for today or not. Like, typically there's like a piece of news that you want to talk about. Then there's like two other things. You're like, ah, we'll jam those together. I have like six things that we're going to go through. Any one of them could take three minutes. Any one of them could take 20 minutes. So... This could wind up being super short or super long. Again, nothing would surprise me. Um, on the docket, there's some Pac-12 position rankings. So, like, best best position groups in the Pac-12. So, like, top 12 corners, but by groups. I explained this poorly, but Athlon Sports and their preview, we've, we've started to get some of this stuff. We talked about, like, their preseason all-conference team. Um, but, but now, like I said, like... Ranking all the teams by their cornerbacks. Ranking all the teams by whatever. So uh, we're going through all of that. Uh, Bill Connolly put out his Pac-12 preview for ESPN. Uh, there's there's some Colorado notes in there. Only one of them is fun. Um, John Wilner had a quick thing on, on transfer portal stuff. We're just going to touch on that. And then we're going to get into the, uh, the athletics preview of Colorado for this season. Um, and that was put together by uh, Doug Haller, who I actually don't know well, and I'm pretty sure I should. Um, but but they're just going through and they're doing their like college football state of the program. So in the second half of the show, we'll dig into what the athletic had to say about Colorado, and that's uh that's the plan for today. So we're gonna run through all that sort of stuff. I'm excited. I'm honestly what I'm really excited for is th- those were two hiccups you just heard. So. We're hoping that's not going to keep going. Uh, but what I'm really excited for, for is this hockey game tomorrow night. Um, like, really excited. Really, really excited. Um, I, uh, I'm i having trouble focusing. It's 2.30, and I thought that I'd be to this part of my day at, like, 11.30. But things are just moving slowly because it's just hockey, hockey, hockey. Um, also... I had a dream last night that Daniel Arias retired. And I it was like a kind of like one of those stress dreams where it's like, oh no, Daniel Arias retired. What does this mean for the receivers room? He was the big breakout candidate. Now you have to like, is it this guy? Is it this guy? Like again though, like what he wasn't you you weren't that sure you were getting big contributions for him, but he was one of the options, and so not having that option um, so that that was another fun thing that was going through my head for it's it's wild like they say that dreams last like 30 seconds or something but I could swear 
I was writing and thinking and all that sort of stuff for hours after that news broke in my head. I should be clear. That was only my dream. Daniel Arias is still on the team. But that's a, that's another thing that's going on in my life. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's just jump in here at the top. Um, li- like I said, we have these Pac-12 position group rankings from Athlon Sports. Um, so, again, the way it works is they, they say, like, here's the top 12 or, or here's the order of the, the quarterback groups uh, in the Pac-12. Um, and we're not going to, like, dig into all of them deeply. But, you know, for something like quarterbacks, we might as well say all 12. Um, number one, USC makes sense with Caleb Williams. Uh, number two, Utah with uh, um, Rising. Cameron Rising is his first name. There we go. Um, ahead of number three, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, I think... It's a, honestly, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Uh, number four, you've got Cameron Ward with Washington State. Number five, Bo Nix at Oregon. Number six, Tanner McKee with Stanford. Uh, number seven, Jaden Delora with Arizona. Uh, number eight, the mess they have there, whether it's, you know, with Gebbia, Chance Nolan. I think there's a transfer there. I can't remember who it is. Um, num- number nine, you've got Washington with Michael Penix. Honestly, I would have bumped them up a couple spots. Emory Jones at Arizona State. Honestly, I probably would bump them up a little bit as well. Um, 11, Cal, that's that's Jack Plummer. Um, fair. And then number 12, Colorado. Did anybody expect CU to not be last place in the quarterback unit rankings? I mean, there's just... We saw what we saw last year. And there's reason for hope. There's reason to think they could get into the top 10 or even maybe top half if things go really well. Um, but knowing what we know now, number 12, yeah, makes sense. Um, running back groups. You know, I was surprised to see Utah number one, USC number two, um, UCLA number three with Charbonnet. Uh, it, it, I probably would have gone UCLA, USC one, two, but, you know, there's a take. Colorado fits in at number eight. Um, Alex Fontenot obviously leading the way, but not much depth behind that with Deion Smith and the others. I might have moved him down a little bit. Um, looking at Cal right behind him, Arizona, Stanford, Washington State. Those are some bad groups, though, so I guess just having Alex Fontenot, maybe that is good enough to be number eight, but because of the lack of depth, uh, I, I didn't expect them to be that high, is what I'll say. Um, although, again, like, Alex Fontenot is the eighth or ninth best running back in the Pac-12. Yeah, that that part makes sense. Um, wide receiver groups, USC number one, big surprise there. Um, but but Colorado at number ten. Uh, again, I I don't know how, what Arizona has at number nine, Cal at eleven, Arizona State at twelve. I I'll, I'll say that ten probably makes sense. R.J. Snead's going to be good. Um, you you've got talent outside of that, but how much talent who knows like were they being held back last year yes but how much um 10 sure that's fine uh, offensive line Oregon number one Oregon State number two ahead of Utah that surprised me a little bit um but but Colorado's number 12 here that's a uh, again it makes sense we saw we saw last year you know and and it should be the same group I do think they're gonna be 
pretty significantly improve just because you you lose Colby Purcell, you lose Kari Kutch, you bring in Tommy Brown, you have this center competition. I, I think that they're at the end of the year. I don't think they're twelve. Um, I th- I don't know that they're a single digit. I'm not sure if they can make it up to nine, but twelve seems kind of low. But again, I mean they were so bad last year. How could they not be twelfth right now? Um, if you're going through and making these rankings, um, defensive line, Utah number one. Oregon number two, USC number three, Colorado number 11. This is one that I think is pretty bad. Um, I think, let's see, I'm looking at like UCLA at number eight. I think they should be in front of Arizona State at number seven, maybe in front of Oregon State at number six. Um, But those are teams that I would probably put Colorado in front of, with Terrence Lang, with uh, Jalen Sami, all those guys, Um, Nyam Rodman. Uh, Janaz Jordan, you 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 you're pre- you're pretty solid there. You're not second to worst in defensive line. Um, I I wouldn't have been surprised if Colorado was in the top half here. Um, that that one they missed in that direction. Um, Stanford was the one team behind them for what it's worth. Uh, linebackers, Colorado at nine. Oregon number one, by the way. Utah number two. Uh I think it's tough. Here's here's what I'm thinking. So. Josh Chandler Semedo, he's solid. Um, Robert Barnes, Quinn Perry, you're going to be solid there. Um, and with those three, number nine, sure, that makes sense. Uh, if you include Guy Thomas here, then I think that you're up higher than number nine. Maybe not a lot higher, but maybe more in that seven range than nine. Um, if Guy Thomas is included as a defensive end, which is the position he'll play this season then that defensive line group shouldn't be at number 11, you know? So it's like, if you said number 11, that's really low even without Guy Thomas. Um, but but I feel like you're, you're just not getting him included in either of these. Um, but they're surprisingly low, I think. Uh, defensive backs, Colorado at 12. That's another tough one. Um, again, you get why, right? Because Christian Gonzalez and Makai Blackman and Mark Perry are gone. Um, so... Yeah, you're pretty inexperienced. Um, you know, Isaiah Lewis, that's a, that's a really solid piece that you have at the very least. Um, and then you, you look at some of the others as well um, with, you know, I, you really aren't proven there. There's nothing proven outside of Isaiah Lewis. Um, but Nico Reed, Kayla Moore, all those guys, you're, you've got options. Um, so when you look at Arizona State at 11, Arizona at 10, I feel pretty confident saying that Colorado's DBs will be better than those two teams this season. But, again, I mean, you understand why the Buffs are number 12. Um, I guess that's it, isn't it? That is it. Um, so there we go. There's there's where Colorado fits into those rankings. Um, and I'll just go through them one more time real quick. 12th at quarterback, 8th at running back, 10th at wide receiver, um, 12th at offensive line, 11th at defensive line, 9th at linebacker, 12th at defensive back. That's a rough showing. That's a really rough showing. Even, I mean, again, I, I think there's a couple. Like, I might have bumped running back down. Uh, the rest of them, I think, you'd probably move up, if anything. Um, but how could that not be the case when half of them you ranked last, you know? So so there's that sort of stuff, which is real fun to go through. There's a, I promise things are not getting all that much better as we continue through this list of topics I've brought up today. Let's hit John Wilner next. Um, so, he, so he put out his ranking of 
basically winners and losers from the transfer portal. I guess it's not really winners and losers. It's just 1 to 12. Who did the best in the transfer portal? Who did the worst? It's including transfers you're bringing in. It's including guys you lost. Um, Number one, you won't be surprised by this, uh, USC. USC did pretty well. Um, We won't go through the whole list. Colorado's dead last at number 12. Um, They did say, like, we gave serious consideration to flipping ASU with Colorado. Um, Decided ASU at 11, Colorado at 12. The difference being ASU brought in Emory Jones, the quarterback, um, a couple other guys, whereas Colorado really brought in R.J. Sneed. And I guess they include Tommy Brown, but I think Tommy Brown's probably on that level of transfer. And maybe Josh chandler Tomato too. We'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But um, just a lot of losses, a lot of losses. Um, so there's that. We don't need to spend any more time there. Um, let's hit one more. Let's hit one more before we go to break. So... Bill Connolly previewed the Pac-12, and he didn't go team by team. I actually really like the way he did it. I think that it's really lazy to get, or really easy to get lazy with those sorts of previews. Um, but he had a bunch of different categories, from like the big questions for each division to, um, like uh, favorite players and anniversaries. And it's like the it's the 40 year anniversary of the beginning of the Bill McCartney era. Um, so so those sorts of things, and. This is this is just the Pac-12 South. Um, so, again, it's not team by team. There isn't like a Colorado section, but but here's a couple of the notes from Colorado. Um, first of all, just the projections using the S&P Plus. So Bill Connolly actually came up with the SP Plus. Um, it's, it, again, just one of these computer metrics that gauges how good a team is. The, the the Colorado rank is not good. It's the worst in the Pac-12 South. I'd imagine it's the worst in the Pac-12 overall. Um, he has Colorado as the number 100 team in the country. I believe that's out of 131 now that James Madison is going to the FBS level. It might be 132 now, but, but something around there. Colorado is number 100. Not a good place for them to be. Um, number 94 offense, number 92 defense. That sticks out to me a little bit. I mean, again, you understand why the metrics would say number 92 defense because you lost so many pieces. I still think that this winds up being a top 65, say, defense. Um, I wouldn't, honestly, even that would be lower than I would anticipate. Top 65 being relevant because that's, there's 65 power five teams. So you're fitting in at the, they, they will wind up being ranked as where a power five team would fit in, um, even if it isn't great. Um, I still think that there's potential for this to be a much better group than that. Um, but when we look at the losses and that the guys behind them aren't proven, okay, I understand. But I was a little surprised by that. Um, just for context, uh, Utah number 12 in the country, UCLA 41, Arizona State 42 seems high, USC 51 seems low, but better than all these guys who haven't ranked as top three in the country. Um, Arizona at 96 and Colorado at a hundred. Um, also from the SP plus uh, two and a half wins is the projection. Um, two, two percent chance of a bowl game. It's bleak. It's bleak. It's actually, it's, it's really bleak. Um, there's, there's a line in there where he's just kind of early on going through the just whole conference he includes this as he gets to the bottom of the conference saying 
Arizona and Colorado, meanwhile, went one and one against each other, one and one against FCS teams, and three and seventeen against everyone else. That's rough. That's that's rough. Again, it's a little unfair to Colorado. Colorado's kind of getting pulled into the Arizona tier, which is not... I mean, it might be where Colorado is this season going forward, but it's not where Colorado has been. Remember, Arizona's won one game in the past two-plus seasons, two-and-a-half seasons or so. Um, and when you say they're one-and-one one against each other, well, yeah, Colorado is one-and-0 oh against Arizona. Arizona's own one against Colorado. They're one-and-one one against FCS teams. Well, yeah, Colorado beat the FCS team, and Arizona is 0-1 against the FCS team they played. So, I, that stuff's not great. 3-17 and against everyone else. It's like, sure, can't can't argue that. Um, doesn't sound much better to say Colorado's 2-9 and against everyone else, but, no, 2-8 and against everyone else. It, it's a little better, but, yeah. Um, from there... Let's let's hit the negative first. There was there was one positive. Um, one of the burning questions that he had was, uh, "Oh, was last year a low point for Arizona and Colorado, or does it get lower?" Um, for Arizona, they've been so bad. I mean, they've been so bad that it's probably pretty close to a low point. I mean, they were <laughs> they didn't win a game the year before that. Won one last year, so I guess they improved a little. For Colorado, as it notes, they typically have been winning four or five games. Uh, usually five games. Um, if you kind of like look at the last handful of years, I think uh, you probably expect Colorado dips a little bit, um, and Arizona probably improves a little bit, and both probably wind up around three wins. Sure, that's a good projection. That's not my projection. We'll we'll get there when we get there. That's coming in August, but not a bunch of positive stuff. Um, the the one positive though. Uh, like I said, he had a list of his 10 favorite players in the Pac-12 South. Um, obviously, you get Cameron Rising, who I think I gave the wrong name to earlier. I'm, I can't remember what I said, but Cameron Rising. Um, Caleb Williams, Jack, Charb- Jack Zach Charbonnet. Um, you know, a lot of names you expect. He did include Nigel Bethel. Which is interesting, right? Of all the guys to choose. Now, here's what he had to say. He missed half the season because of injury, but he was on pace for an incredible season. Through six games, he had allowed just a 5.1 QBR as primary coverage guy. 5.1 with an exclamation point. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've had a little bit of Nigel Bethel hype on this podcast. That's a good football player. Uh, it is nice to uh, hear that coming from Bill Connolly. I think that... What I don't like is that when when you choose one player from Colorado to say, like, this is my favorite guy. I think this is a guy who's underrated. Um, And it's Nigel Bethel. You say, wow, you actually are pretty tuned in because that's actually a really good pick. You don't love that you're saying that about the guy who had all the other really bad things to say about Colorado. Um, You wish that he was saying, like, yeah, you know who I really like? Is that, uh, like, that Daniel Arias. It's like, oh, yeah, well... You know, we've we've kind of been down that road. Um, I, it seems like you might be a bit of an outsider. Like, if that's not the vibe the fan base has. Um, and then you could just kind of throw out the rest of what it was. So there is that downside. But it is nice to see Nigel Bethel get that recognition because I think it's on point. I think, I think it's on point. Um, real quick, before we get into the athletics 
state of the program for Colorado, which actually has some really good stuff in it. There's a reason I figured we could go through the first few of these things kind of combined and then hit that in the second half of the podcast. Um, But real quick, though, DraftKings Sportsbook has an incredible promotion, and you might only have, like, what, 24 plus 4-ish probably hours, 28 hours? No, they do the two-game breaks, don't they? So you got another 24 on top of that. But you only have one more game to get in on an awesome promotion with DraftKings Sportsbook. And the way it works is this. If you're a new user, you sign up, you make a $5 bet on anything in any NBA basketball game. Again, there might only be one more. If Boston wins, then I guess there's one more after that. But the, the clock is ticking. The clock is really ticking. So get in on this because, like I said, you put $5 down on any bet on this final game or either of these games you will get $150 in free bets instantly. So if you want, you put 5 bucks on Steph to have a triple-double, and it's like, those are crazy odds because he doesn't rebound, um, and he, he shoots, he doesn't pass. You, you make that bet, hopefully it hits, and you get like 100 bucks from it. Or even if it doesn't, you still wind up with your 150 regardless of whether it hits or not. And that stuff, like I said, it comes in instantly, so you can use those to bet on the same game if you want. So many different things that you can do. Um, it's an awesome promotion. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up and bet $5 on any NBA bet. I said this weird. During the NBA Finals, you get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Athletic Greens. Um, Athletic Greens is an awesome product. It's, it's a product that I use every day. We've been on this for a couple months now, now that I think of it. Um, we've, we've been doing the Athletic Greens for a bit, and it totally helps. Uh, it just gives you energy. You know, I, when you have coffee, it can give you the jitters, all that sort of stuff. I usually wind up drinking coffee and Athletic Greens, but... I really like, how do I explain this? I think that coffee, it can make me super jittery when I have it in the morning. And it's really nice to like wake up and have energy and get things done in the morning. Um, But I also think that if you have it right away, it it can kind of freak you out and put you on kind of a bad path. Because then by noon, you're crashing and then you're like, am I going to have more? Because I know the second crash is just going to be worse than the big one. It puts you in that weird spot. And what's been working well for me is I wake up, I have my athletic greens. It gives you some energy. It has a bunch of, I mean, it's what, 75 high-quality vitamins. There's minerals. There's whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all of that great stuff that really does start your day off right. I like doing it with an empty stomach because it just feels good to be like, yeah, you, you wake up, you feel good, you're putting good stuff in you. It gets you off to a good start there. But then I use that energy to go to the gym, which generally just gives me even more energy. So you do that, you go to the gym, maybe you start like watching a football game, taking notes, maybe you start writing, maybe you just knock the podcast out early, whatever it is, that just kind of gets me going through that first part of the day. And then if it's like a big work day or something, you go to Starbucks or whatever and get a coffee too. But the reason I do it that way, like I said, is because then when you crash, it's like, oh, I'm crashing at five o'clock. Sure, that's fine because now it's time to, you know, go watch a hockey game and I don't need fake energy for that. Or now it's time to hang out and watch a movie and I don't need energy for whatever it is. Um, so 
Athletic Greens is awesome. I'm really glad that they're a partner of ours um, because it means that I get to use it for free, which is incredible. Um, but right now, if you want to sign up, they're making it easy. You can actually get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Um, so it, it it's a big bonus. It's a good time to try so use athleticgreens.com slash buffs that's b-u-f-f-s athleticgreens.com slash buffs and you'll take ownership over your health pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and you will not be disappointed okay into what the athletic had to say about the state of the program for the university of colorado and again this is like behind a paywall and so i'm not going to go through and just read word for word because we, we respect the athletic and the fact that it's behind a paywall and they got to make their money. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you everything it says. You should definitely go in and read what it has to say because there's some good stuff. Um, I was going to give you an example of things I'm not going to say, but I was like, well, that doesn't... Then I'm saying it, you know? You know, then I'm saying that Mike Sanford named his daughter Peyton after Peyton Manning, which I love, but I was not going to spoil. Go read the thing from Doug Holler. He did a great job. Um, and... I, in general, I mean, had a, did a great job. I think I should emphasize that more. Um, again, he goes through. It's it's clear he talked to Mike Sanford and Chris Wilson, the coordinators. Um, I'm not sure if he talked to anybody else at the program, but he really does seem to be in touch with what's going on, um, with good background information. Um, I mean, he's not saying like, you know, they're actually going to be a solid football team. He he addresses how bad they'll be, but he he doesn't say. Like, ah, this is terrible. They're going to be off. It's not as dark as what Bill Connolly had to say, I guess. Um, it seems to be pretty well balanced. But but we are going to touch on some of the key points here, um, including my favorite part. We're saving my favorite part for the end, and that's when you have the opposing scouting reports. That's that's what they call it here. You know, Athlon will do, like, we talk to opposing coaches, and here's what they had to say about the program. And it is really interesting just to get those perspectives because you don't know – who exactly they're talking to you know is it herm edwards is it lincoln riley is it whatever other coach from around the pac-12 is it somebody who maybe played him early in the season and whatever um but it is nice just to have kind of those perspectives and there are some of those here at the end we're saving that part at the end like i said though he talked to chris wilson he talked to mike sanford a couple notes from mike sanford um this one kind of sets the tone Obviously, on paper, we're supposed to be terrible. Everybody's saying that. But I think internally, there's a different feeling. And that's something that we've talked about on this podcast, and, and specifically during uh, spring camp, when you said, like, there is kind of this quiet confidence among the coaching staff, among the players, that they think they actually have a little bit more talent than outsiders would say, that, that more of the issues um, that, that, that were happening last year was solved just by fixing some of the coaching situations um then then maybe the outsiders recognize and who knows maybe they're all dumb for thinking that and they're gonna win two games and then we'll be having different talks at the end of the year but you know if there's a lot of places you take information from and you got to mold it all together to kind of form your opinion and while you don't just take everything that the coaching staff says at its word you do have to at least listen and say, like, okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, so there's that from Mike Sanford. Just a couple other things said, like, who are we? Like, we need to have an identity. 
and he said, no matter what the stats say, the most physical team in the Pac-12 is going to win the Pac-12. That's what we have to shoot for. And to be honest, he's been right. Um, whether that's been an Oregon team, whether it's been Washington, whether it's been Stanford, whether it's been Utah, you know, there there have been good teams up at the top. But the team that's won the Pac-12 has basically always been the most physical team in the Pac-12. And if not, then like a top three physical team, but blended with some talent. You know, there's a reason that I, I don't, I, you can't say co- correlation is not causation and all that sort of stuff. The fact that USC hasn't been able to break through, the fact that UCLA hasn't been able to break through, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's because they weren't physical. Um, but it is true that those kind of basketball teams that, that sometimes get thrown out there in the Pac-12, usually there's a few of them, they have not been successful at the highest level of the Pac-12. You know, that'll, that'll give them to eight and four, nine and three, whatever, but hasn't been able to give them a Pac-12 title. So there's something there, and I think you hear that and you think, well, does this mean we're going Minnesota? And I don't hear it that way. I think that, I think that you're going to see a bunch of different things from this coaching staff, a bunch of different offensive game plans. I think that there is one week where you're going to be seeing them line up with an extra offensive lineman for a bunch of snaps, maybe close to half the snaps. Maybe that's two weeks. Um, but I think that as often as they're lining up with heavy formations and, and extra linemen, those sorts of things, you'll see a game plan that's based on the spread. Um, and I think you probably see more spread game plans than, than heavy game plans. But I do think that there's going to be that sort of diversity week to week, um, changing up what's going on, being unpredictable. Um, and, and I think that that's... And that's just the way that you have to win in, in college football and, and in some ways in the NFL as well. Um, the high school level, no. Um, high school, you do what you do best and you do it over and over and over again. Um, even even lower level college football, that, that can be the case, but not necessarily always. Um, let's see. Oh, on the quarterbacks, I think this is the last quote we'll pull from uh, from... Mike Sanford, but he said, I think we have two very worthy power five quarterbacks. Probably not that noteworthy that he said that just because, you know, there's, what else is he going to say? It's like, I'm not sure if we have a guy. Like, of course, what you're going to say is just, we're, I think, I think we're going to be fine. I think we got a couple options there. Things are going to work out. Um, Moving along. Let's see. What else do I want to hit here? Um, just a couple of lines that that kind of stood out. There's things like when he talked about the linebackers, he did almost. I mean, it was a paragraph, but like it's a journalism paragraph. It's not like a essay paragraph. It was like three sentences when he's talking about the linebackers replacing Nate Lamon, all on Josh Chandler Semedo, and that was kind of the starting point. Then he goes on to say like, you know, there's Robert Barnes and there's Quinn Perry, there's Marvin Ham, there's Isaac Hurtado, there's Owen Carey. In that order, I think the order probably matters. Um, again, going from Chandler Tomato to Barnes to Perry to Ham, sure, that order kind of makes sense. Isaac Hurtado sticking in there, not somebody we've talked a lot about, but a JUCO transfer who's been on the team for a minute now. Um, notable. And then Owen Carey as well. No Mr. Williams mentioned. Do we read into that? Eh, probably not. Um, but if, if you want to, like that was a thing that happened. Um, two other things that stood out to me. We'll we'll wrap it up. Kalen Moore and Nico Reed are in line to start. That was a line there. And again, all of this is probably half based on a conversation with Chris Wilson and half based on 
you know, what the stats say and, and what his eyes say and those sorts of things. So is that because Chris Wilson said, I think those are going to be our starters. There's a small chance. It's more likely that those are just the two guys who started toward the end of the year. Um, this is, again, it's it's mostly notable because Nigel Bethel is not named there. Um, it's, you know, most it, it, part partially notable because it's those two over, um, say, Josh Wiggins and the rest of those true freshmen. Um, although that is, that's probably what you expect. Um, not having Nigel Bethel, though, that that is that does stand out a little bit. Especially, you know, I read this before the ESPN thing, and so I was like, huh, kind of surprising. Are we too high on Nigel Bethel? And then we get over to the other one. It's like Nigel Bethel, one of my favorite players to watch. Like, yeah, okay, nope, I'm not crazy. He's really good, um, or at least good enough to start. So maybe read something into this, but I do think that it. While there is going to be a big competition at cornerback, I don't think it's as big of a competition as it is at wide receiver. I'm, I think that if you said Nigel Bethel, Kalen Moore, Nico Reed, those are your top three, you're probably pretty confident in saying that. Um, last note here, talking about kind of pass rush, replacing Carson Wells, that sort of thing. Um, the fact that basically nobody had a nobody had a worse pass rush than than Colorado in the Pac-12 and there's some numbers that suggest that you know they're one of the worst in the country those sorts of things because they really did struggle um, but when talking about it he brought up Guy Thomas and then also mentioned Alvin Williams there um, so yeah when we try to figure out he, he brought up Chance Main probably contributing as well in a different part um, but you know, it wasn't Joshua Gustav, Jamar Montgomery, all, all those sorts of guys. Alvin Williams' name came up right there. And we've been high on Alvin Williams on this podcast for a bunch of reasons. Um, mostly just I think that at some point he's going to be a really good football player. And I, I think there's a good chance that that starts this season. Um, having his name mentioned here, notable. Notable. That's going to do it for today. We covered a lot of ground. There were a lot of things we talked about. Crazy to think that 30 minutes ago we were talking about my dream about Daniel Arias, and now here we are. Um, I will be back tomorrow. I still got to figure out what the schedule is going to look like for the next couple days. Um, my dad's coming down for this first hockey game. I think he said he lands at 1, and he's just going to Uber over to my place. Um, so that means I have until, like, 2 to, to get all my work done. And then... Um, Thursday, he flies back home to Montana, and that's it. Like, I think his flight leaves at seven, so he probably leaves here around like five or so, maybe a little before that. Um, so, I'm guessing I'll, I won't work at all from tomorrow afternoon to like Thursday evening. Point is, I'm going to try to get a podcast up tomorrow morning. I'm going to try to get a podcast up again Thursday evening if there's like other things going on or something like that, or I have to write or whatever. Maybe I don't get one of those in and, and there's a podcast on Saturday instead, but things are kind of in flux the next couple of days. I'll be back here at some point in the next couple of days though, for another podcast. Not sure what we're talking about. Maybe there'll be news. Probably not. Uh, but either way, I'll see you then.